Okay. So I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable now. Um, I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable while I'm standing here. Um, we went to go play tennis at my, uh, at my parents-in-law's house, and then I had to pack my clothes beforehand. And then as I, pack, as I start putting on my clothes after I showered, I realized there's like a mark here on my T-shirt, and I'm like, oh my freaking word, I'm going to look <laughs> like a, a, a dirty guy that comes to church. So just so I know, I know there's a mark, and it uh, happened before, and I couldn't control it. Okay, so I just wanted to be vulnerable. I wanted to put it out there. It's my, maybe keep on looking at <laughs> It's right there. <laughs> you know, I see it. Marielle says I'm OCD. That's why I see it. But anyhow, just putting it out there. Okay, so let's begin. Um, yeah, just during worship, I was, yeah, I, was, I was just once again so thankful that we can serve a loving Father, and that we get to experience his presence and that yeah, there's a lot of stuff that happens and through everything, the ups and downs, he's an amazing father. And before I go into the sermon, I, uh, I just want to pray. Um, so, yeah. Father, thank you very much for the privilege of knowing you. Thank you that, uh, that you're not far away. Thank you that you've done so much so that we can be in relationship with you. Thank you that even when we wanted nothing to do with you, you brought yourself in here and you sent us your son to reveal your, you to us. And Father, I just pray even tonight that you will just come and you will keep on revealing yourself to our hearts and to our minds and just to our inner beings, that you will keep on revealing yourself so that we can grow in the knowledge of who you are. And thank you that we can just have the tremendous confidence of knowing that we are your children and that we have a good and faithful Father that, is, uh, that we get to serve. Amen. Okay, so we are in week two of our Art of Rest sermon series, and uh, my sermon is titled, Rest is to Remember. Now, if the Mufasa moment brings anything back, then this will also, you, will, you, can, you just can hear it like, remember, you know, that type of vibe. So, rest is to remember. Um, but before we go into the, into the sermon, this is a, the topic of rest is something that I'm extremely passionate about. And uh, it was back in 2012 when I was first encountered with the promise of rest. And uh, I, I, I became a little bit fanatical about it. Um, that was basically all that I could speak about, all I could think about. And it was for years that that was, that was where, I, where I was at. And at the end of 2012, I started a job in Pretoria, and uh, that's why I was here. I didn't want to be here, but I ended up here against my will, but now I'm glad I am here. You know, but, and at a certain stage, while I was still getting to explore this promise of rest, my, my work ended up going to a place where I had to end up doing three people's work, and not only did I have to do their work, I had to catch up on the work that, what was, that was not done, Okay. And, I, and, I, and for a period, I was just at a place where I wasn't experiencing rest in my life. And I can remember every single morning, I would get to work, and then I would walk to Aroma, go buy myself a coffee. I had a rule, I could only get one cup a day, so if I only get one, I'm going to make it a good one. So, and every single morning, I would walk there, and I would just wrestle with the Lord, and I'd, I would just tell Him that, you give me a promise of rest, but I, I don't, I'm not experiencing anything, any rest in my life. And I would do that morning after morning after morning after morning. And uh, I think it was maybe a few weeks or maybe a few months. I can't even remember. It's a little bit blurry to me. 
But eventually something just happened where the one day I was completely overwhelmed, overstressed, and my workload was like, I couldn't get anything done. And the next day I was like sitting, staring at my PC and I was done with all my work by like one o'clock. And it was like, literally it felt to me like a supernatural thing that came into my, uh, into my work reality that transformed it. And ever since that day, it was, I, I, I was so um, thankful that the promise of rest can actually be so practical and it can be so part of your life. And if uh, anybody knows me that I am, I refuse to accept any circumstances that doesn't produce rest. So if anything doesn't produce rest, I don't want it in my life and I refuse to have it in my life. And I know that I have God's promise to stand on that I don't have to settle for that. Okay, so there's a few job opportunities that I've said no for because that wouldn't have been conducive to rest for my life. There was clients that I've said no to because that wasn't conducive to being re having rest in my life. There's, uh, there's a lot of stuff that you say no to because I know that having rest in my life and living in God's rest is where I want to be and that's where we are invited to be and we don't have to settle for anything less than that. Okay, so I just wanted to share that up front just to say that what we're speaking about today isn't like highly theoretical and it's just like a nice sermon and then you can go home and we know stuff. No, it's actually something that if we... If we challenge God on it, He will actually come through for us, okay? But for me, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't even happen like the first week. I had to keep on going before the Lord and saying, but where's the rest? Where's the rest? Where's the rest? I'm going to hold you out your promises. I'm going to keep on knocking on that door until you open up a way. Okay, so I want to start off with my definition of rest, okay? So this is my definition of rest. So if it's not biblical or you don't agree with it, it's, that's why I say it's my definition, okay? So then you can come and grill me. You don't have to go and grill Yaku or Jan or any other leader in the church, okay? But this is my definition, okay? So the first one is, the first point, it says to know and trust God by obeying Him. Now, I know you see the word obey then, that's like, okay, but rest is exactly not doing stuff, but now you want me to do something so that I can rest. But the thing is that there's a lot of commandments of the Lord in the Bible, and He actually wants us to obey those commands. He doesn't want us to obey it in our own strength, but He is expecting us to, command, to obey that. So let's say, for instance, you have the commandment of forgiveness. The Lord commands forgiveness. We have to give forgiveness in the same way that we have received forgiveness. So if I, Andre, walk around with unforgiveness and bitterness in my life, I will not experience God's rest. So there's a certain part of what God has revealed to us that I need to obey so that I can be in rest. So, and it starts off for me, obeying for me starts off by knowing God and trusting Him. I'm not going to trust someone that I don't know. Okay, if somebody with randoms comes up to you and wants to sell you a samosa, you're not necessarily going to buy the samosa. But if Sinead comes to you and sells a samosa to you, I'm going to buy it from her because I know Sinead. Okay, it's, it's a very, it's a very uh, uh, simple example, but it's a very practical one. Because I know her, I trust her. And in the same sense, that we, start, we obey God the more we know Him and the more we trust Him. Okay. Rest is a reality that exists in our spirit. So what I mean by that is, is that rest isn't, like I said, the last point, isn't 
taking that day off. It isn't going on that holiday. It isn't taking that nap. Rest is a profound confidence that we have in God that causes us to see the world differently. So it's a reality that exists in our spirit. And the more that we spend time with the Lord, the more that reality starts taking over the way that we view the world around us. Okay. And that goes in, as I said in point number three, a confidence in the character of God that He is in control. That He is for us, not against us. So the confidence that I have in God defines the way that I make my decisions. It defines the way that I want to live my life. Um, I come from a part of, well, a successful family, and easily you can feel the pressure to perform. And then for you not to perform, you're going to have to have confidence in God when you say, okay, but I'm not going to strive for the success of being this major business guy. And for me to say no to that, I need to have confidence in God because the entire world wants to push you towards going for that. So you won't necessarily say no to that until you have a confidence in God that what He's got in store for you besides that is actually going to do. So you're going to keep on settling for whatever you're feeling pressured to do until you start knowing God, knowing His promises, knowing His purposes over your life. And then as your confidence growing God, it starts giving you the rest to make decisions that you probably otherwise wouldn't have made. And in that, we know that God is in control. And that is, whenever I am faced with a difficult situation or when I'm faced with something that I don't understand, that I can't comprehend, I remind myself, but God is in control. Is the God that I believe in, do I believe He's a good God? So, is, am I able to say, okay, Lord, even though I don't, understand you even though this that that this happened i don't understand is my knowledge of you and the fact that you're a good god enough for me to say but i'll rest even though i don't understand and knowing that god is in control brings a lot of rest to our lives okay i'm really glad that he's in control because if i was in control oh my word yes let's just leave it there okay and then like the fourth point rest manifests itself so this inner reality that we have, the more that it grows, the more it starts manifesting in our lives through various means, okay? Even your sleep gets better the more you know God, especially if you're struggling maybe with unforgiveness and bitterness. If me and Marielle has a fight and I don't resolve it before I go to sleep, I don't have a good night of sleep. And the next morning I'm like, you should have just settled it last night and you could have had a better uh, night of sleep and then you, you have a better relationship with your wife as well okay so but even sabbath or our values rest starts influencing our values and as it starts influencing our values it starts influencing the decisions that we make rest brings a amount of uh, a, a lot of peace into our lives okay so there's tremendous benefits of pursuing this promise of rest okay so the foundations of rest the first one is the knowledge of God and knowing the character of God. And I would go so far to, to say that if, if I, as Andre, don't know God and I don't know the character of God, I will not experience rest in my life because I will not put my faith in Him. So for me, one of the most important prayers that I can pray is that prayer in Ephesians 1, I think it's from verse 15, where it says that may the 
And may the, the Father of glory give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who He is. Okay, So that we can get that spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of the Father that's part of our lives every single day, revealing the Lord to us, continually, 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 so that we can know the character of God all the more. And if you know Revelation 4 and 5, the, um, the 24 elders and the four creatures, they've been worshiping the Lord for thousands of years, and they're going, still going to be doing it for thousands of years. And every single time they go up, they just see something that's praiseworthy again. So there's never... a a place where we get to that we say, okay, now I know God. Okay, even I've I've known Marielle for quite some time, but even now sometimes I discover stuff that I don't know, and she's a mere human. Now, C.S. Lewis says that you can, if you can fully understand God, then that makes that actually proves that He's not God and it's not worthy of your worship. So the fact that He is God says that He must be above your understanding. He must be something that you can't comprehend, and that proves that He is not the figment of our imagination. Okay, so the knowledge of God keeps on increasing, and, and you need to, I have a desire, and my desire is for everybody that's in this church to have this tremendous desire to get to know the Lord all the better. Okay, so the second foundation of rest is faith. You, will, you guys will see in Hebrews 3 and 4, it says that they could not enter because of their unbelief. So faith in the character of God, helps us go into the rest of God. And then obviously obedience is the third foundation, like I've said. If we don't obey the words of Jesus, if we don't obey the commands of God, we will not experience rest in our lives. Just let that sink in. Okay. So then, if we just flip it around, the enemies of rest, therefore, is unbelief and disobedience. And uh, I'm not going to stand here as some kind of super Christian. I have both of them in my life, okay, on a regular basis. So I'm not portraying some kind of unattainable Christianity to you guys. I'm just saying that those are the enemies of us having rest in our life. And we need to know that this is the enemy. And whenever I come at a place where there's unbelief or disobedience in my life, then I need to know, okay, it links to our abiding series. We need to know that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So then I go back to Jesus and I go sit at his feet and say, but this is what's going on in my life. This is this unbelief. This is this disobedience. And I get to come before his throne of grace. And that is so the abide series actually ties in quite nice with this art of rest series because it's almost like synonymous with one another. So don't be alarmed by the fact that you have unbelief or disobedience in your life. Jesus isn't, isn't caught off guard by that. He knows you quite well. And even uh, apart from that, he still gave us the promise that we can enter his rest. Okay. So in the Bible, the, the biggest or let's say the most famous chapters in the Bible of rest is probably Hebrews 3 and 4. So I wanted to do Hebrews 3 and 4 tonight, but then I said there's just, I'm, I'm rather going to focus on the scripture that is quoted in Hebrews 3 and 4. So that's almost like if you, uh, it's your source, source document. So I'm going back to the source document. So the, 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 the writer of Hebrews quoted from Psalm 95. And Hebrews 3 and 4 is actually based on Psalm 95. Okay, so I'll quickly going to be, I'll just, not quickly, I'm just going to read Psalm 95. 
And then after that, I'll just give some background to what we are actually reading. Okay. So it's going to be on the board at the back as well. And it says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are, also, are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness. When your fathers put me to the test, and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation, and said, They are people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways." Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So the background to Psalm 95 is, as you guys can gather, it is the story of the Israelites going into the wilderness after they've been set free from Egypt. Okay, And the specific moment that is referred to in Psalm 95 is that as on the day at Meribah, as on the day at Massa. Okay, so what happened is, the, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, and then Moses came, and then they had the ten plagues, and after the ten plagues, they were liberated from Egypt, then they went into the wilderness, then Pharaoh decided, okay, but he's going to pursue them, and then uh, they get the great uh, fire uh, that separates the Egyptians from the Israelites as they're going through the Red Sea, while they, after they've gone through the Red Sea, then the, uh, the sea uh, closes over the Egyptians, then they are in the desert now. They are being led by day, uh, a cloud by day, fire by night. There comes to a time when they are hungry, so the Lord starts giving them manna. I, I can't remember whether they start getting the quail before or after this, but anyhow, they, they've been to the place where they got to a place where there was water that was bitter that they couldn't drink, so Moses had to throw the log into the, into the water. And then they get to a place, Meribah and Massa, and there is no water. And, it, and after they've seen the ten plagues, after they've seen the Red Sea opening, after they've seen the manna coming down, after they've seen the quail, they, they saw the bitter water becoming drinkable, they go to Moses and say, but we would rather go back to Egypt because there's no water to drink. And we laugh at that because that sounds so stupid. Because I, I can just think, seeing the Red Sea open. This is not supposed to happen. So this is a supernatural force doing this. So if you see that, I you would, one would think that that would so make an imprint on your life that going forward, nothing seems impossible. But yet a few days later, they don't have water and now they're moaning again. Okay? So we don't necessarily live in the wilderness anymore. But 2020 gave us our own unique wilderness. And just the way by the way that we reacted during, say, the first lockdown revealed to us whether we are actually living in rest. And it actually revealed to us that we are not far off from the Israelites. Okay? Um, Marielle would know I, during lockdown, I told her, my love, we do not have the luxury of not trusting in God because we've seen him 
work in our lives too much. We have too much testimonies in our lives. So we don't have the luxury of not trusting God. Because if we do not trust God, we are going to be like the Israelites, seeing all the provision that God has done. And now all of a sudden we're just going to go, oh, I would rather just uh, die. You know, it doesn't make sense. But that's what we do. That's what we want to do. Okay. So two things that I want to point out from Psalm 95. Well, there's a few things, but two important things. The first one is that at the very end, therefore I swore in my wrath that shall not enter my rest. So our inability to go into rest is a lot of times God himself not allowing us to go into rest because we are not walking in accordance with his ways. We are not obeying his commands. We are not putting our trust in him. So then it's not like it's like the enemy that is stealing our rest. No, it's actually God himself hindering our rest. That's not very, uh, um, what we call it, what's that message that they say, you can just name it, claim it, frame it. Um, that's that's anti-prosperity gospel. Eh? God actually hindering your rest. But that's what it says. God says, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. That's for me quite a daunting thought. But secondly, Ian about in the middle, it says today, if you hear his voice. So what that means is, and if we take it in the context of Psalm 95, that the promise of rest is actually a promise for every single day. It says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So that means the promise of rest isn't something like with the Israelites, they only had to have the Sabbath every, they had the Sabbath every seventh day. So the Sabbath was only a precursor for the promises that God was preparing for his people. So therefore the Sabbath was only a small little taste of what the Lord has in store for his people. But the actual promise of rest is today if you hear his voice. So the promise for rest is every single day you get to live in God's rest. And that for me, I like that. Because I like rest. So if I can have it every day, I will have it. Thank you very much. Okay. So, um, but there was a few things that as the, the Lord was speaking to the Israelites, he said, they, first of all, they hardened their hearts. And then they, uh, they put God to the proof. They saw his work. Even though they saw his work, they went astray in their heart. And the Lord said, you never started to know my ways. And because they didn't, the, the ways of God didn't go from their minds into their hearts. And because the ways of God wasn't settled in their hearts, the moment that they were encountered with a difficult situation that looked impossible, they started distrusting God again. And that is exactly what that happened to so many people during lockdown. I can remember during lockdown, for three and a half months, I didn't have an income. And... Uh, I work for myself, so I only get money when I make money. So, um, but for three and a half months, I couldn't get an income. And then I started, okay, yes, but maybe I should start looking for a different job because then maybe I can get a salary, then I can have the security of knowing every single month I'll get my salary, and at least you don't have to, you know, stress about that. And then during that time, the two very good opportunities actually arose that I was more than qualified to, to apply for. But as I went onto that website and I was looking at this job opportunities, I just felt this tremendous discomfort in my spirit. 
And I started speaking to Marielle, and I even asked her, I don't know whether there's these opportunities, but I don't even know if the Lord is giving me peace so that I can apply for it. So eventually I decided, okay, I'm not going to apply for it, even though I don't know where, when the income is going to start coming in again. Okay, So that doesn't make sense. But because I knew who God was and the way it has worked in my life before, I had the confidence to make that decision. Okay, And for the rest of the year, it still didn't go that great. But then in the, end of, the beginning of 2021, it was like the floodgates was opened, and I was just so swamped with work, and it was, I was just in awe of God. And what I wanted to do, because fear rose in my heart, I was willing to give my freedom in, in exchange for security. I was willing to give up the promise of rest that, I was, that, the, God, that the Lord was giving to me, and I wanted to give that up so that I can just have the security of a salary. So I'm not saying that everybody having a salary is disobedient. I'm just saying in my circumstances, the Lord didn't want me to do that. He doesn't want me to have the security of a salary. He wants me to live, well, now I'm month to month, okay? But eventually, probably I'll get day to day, because that's what he did with the Israelites. They had to every day take the manna for the one day, and then they have to worry about the next day, the next day, okay? So that's the type of faith that I'm trusting the Lord for, but that is our inheritance. We get to have such confidence in God that we can rest in Him, that even when things seem uncertain, we can have peace and we can have rest. So that's why I like rest so much, because I don't have to worry, I don't have to stress. I don't have to be anxious, I don't have to let fear come into my heart and come in, want to bring me into bondage again. Okay. So, today we are reading a few psalms. So, in Afrikaans, we are on psalm leers. You know, sorry for the, Afrika, for the English people. But uh, there's, uh, there's another psalm that, is, uh, that also speaks about the time of the Israelites in, in the wilderness. And it's a very long psalm, so I'm not going to read the entire one. I think it's from all the psalms that I've read, I think this is probably like second close to number 119. So I just highlighted a few verses from Psalm 98, and I really, I'm going to read this a little bit slow because I just want you guys to just take in what I'm reading. Okay, so Psalm 78, I'm not going to say where I am in the verses, it's on the board, it will show you where the verses are, you can go read the whole one back home, it will take you a, few, uh, a while. Okay, so it starts off, give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. And that they should not be like the fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast whose spirit was not faithful to God. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. 
He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel, because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. In spite of all this, they still sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. Their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power all the day when he redeemed them from the foe. So there in the last verse, you guys can actually see what this rest is to remember. So now this is now where we get to rest is to remember. So what do we remember? So what I've done is I've taken Psalm 95 and I've just taken Psalm 78 and a lot of the stuff that was said in the negative, I, I put that around into the positive. So to just give us a few things that we can remember of God. And remember, this is only two Psalms in the Bible. Okay, That's like three or four pages in the Bible or maybe five. Okay, We have still have like 1,300 left, give or take. So there's a lot that we can remember about God. So it's not a challenge. It's just to say that whenever you think you're going to run out of something that you can remember about God, there's always more. Okay, what's that, what's that thing? That, wait, there's more. Yeah, that's the very mark of potencies. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like very mark. Wait, there's more. Okay. So remember the character of God. First of all, He's our maker. So in the, in the week, I was seeing a guy that, that you were saying, okay, but um, I am equals I am. So what that means, he says, no, I am also God. I also get to be God because I know Jesus. But then I want to ask him, okay, if you want to claim to be God, speak and create something out of nothing. If you're now claiming to be a God. But he can't because he's not a God. But the Lord, our maker, is the God and he's our maker. And the mere fact that he created something out of nothing should already settle any disbelief that we have in our hearts. That in, in and of itself should be enough for us to trust Him. But there's more, okay? So He's our God. So He's not just a God that is distant and, you know, like some of the Hindu gods, they, they're just here looking at us and we are for their entertainment. And No, He's our God. He wants to be in relationship with us. So he's, he doesn't want to be distant. He wants to be near us. Okay? Creation is in his hands. He holds the sea in his hand. The mountains are his. The dry ground is his. The universe is his. So that gives me a lot of comfort. Every day that Marina said something that was so nice last weekend, he's like, 
Is God still in control? Then he's like, yes, the sun came up today. God is still in control. Sounds so stupid, but it's true. Every day when I look at the sun coming up, that's a testimony of God still being in control. And that just spoke to my heart. So every single day, there's just that reminder of God still being in control. Okay. He's a great God and a king above all gods. He's the rock of our salvation. We get to remember the ways and glorious deeds of God, the works of God, the might and power of the Lord, the testimonies of God, the covenant of God. And when we're speaking about the covenant of God, that is the gospel, that is the communion that we've just had now. That's the symbol of the covenant that we have with God. And we get to remember that. The commandments of God, the voice of God and what he has spoken to our hearts. So many times the Lord has spoken something to us and we remember it for a day or two or maybe a week or maybe a few months, but eventually in the years gone by we forget what he has spoken to our hearts. We can remember that we can set our hope in God, that we can believe in God and trust in his saving power. We can know that we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And then those last two is just like the added extras. That's, it's for free. But uh, just, I, I had to add it because this is almost like the two biggest ones for me. First of all is, is the gospel. The gospel message is an invitation into the rest of God. And the gospel message is the thing that keeps us in the rest of God. Whenever I'm confronted with my unbelief and my disobedience, it's only the gospel that is able to restore me in the sight of God. So remembering the gospel and remembering that the gospel isn't just a past event, it's actually an everyday event that I need to preach the gospel to myself because in and of myself, I can't do anything. So apart from the gospel, apart from Jesus, there is nothing that I can do. And then lastly, the throne of grace. If you guys can remember my sermon on the, the abiding is that we are confronted. Like this, these scriptures that I've read now, Psalm 95, Psalm 78, it's very confronting. It's very convicting when you, when you, when you read that. Because you are reminded of all the times that you've fell short. But then, if, we are, if, if tonight I only wanted to remind you of how bad you are, then what's the sense in that? We already know how bad we are. But if I can tell you that you can take all your stuff and all your badness and all your weakness and all your vulnerability and all your unbelief and all your disobedience and you can bring that before the throne of God and you can remember that you can do that often, you can do that daily, that has a profound impact on the way that we live our lives. So the throne of grace should almost like become like a sanctuary for us. I can remember when I was still struggling with a lot of stuff, then I would, I would sin and then I was like, oh, I can't believe I did that again. And then for like four or five days, I, I was almost like having to prove myself to God again. And now I first need to earn my way back into His presence. But then I read a book and the guy said, whatever I come before the Lord and I repent, I get to stand up from that place and I get to walk out of the room as if I did not sin. And that was 
transformational for me. To know that truth, that whenever I go before the Lord and I receive His forgiveness, I get to stand up and I get to walk out as if I did not sin. And that is the power of the throne of grace. It restores us, it reconciles us. Okay, so what I want us to go into now is there was two pieces of Scripture that I just wanted to like put an extra magnifying glass on. So we've put now a magnifying glass on 70. 78 to 95, but Psalm 95, 7, and Psalm 78, 52. It's on the board. The first one says, For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand. And then it's second one, Then He led out His people like sheep, and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. So when I read this, there was obviously one psalm that jumped out of me, out at me, and it's Psalm 23. So what I want us to now do is to go into a moment where I'm going to be reading Psalm 23 to us. But I'm not going to be reading it like once or twice or three times. We're going to be reading it a few times. And what I am trusting the Lord for is that in, while I'm doing that, you first of all, He will come and He will highlight a certain part of Psalm 23 and He will speak that over you. And He will deposit the reality of that into your heart. So that that knowledge of the, the, that the Lord is giving you comes into your heart. And as it comes into your heart, that spiritual reality of rest starts growing and growing and growing. Okay? So, what I want you guys to do is just to, just to close your eyes. Allow yourself to be present. I know there's maybe a few distractions that's going to come up. <laughs> um, but even with the distractions, there's not much that we can do to hinder the distractions from coming. So whenever I am before the Lord and I get distractions, I literally just go and say, okay, Lord, I just want to bring this distraction into your hand and I just give it over to Him. So what I want you guys to do is just close your eyes and just take in the Scripture. Okay. So it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell 
in the house of the Lord forever. Now as I read that scripture, a certain part would have started speaking to you. But as that certain part started speaking to you, there's certain emotions that comes up in you. And I just want yourself to allow that emotions and to bring it before the Lord. If it's an emotion of, maybe it's a good emotion or maybe it's a bad emotion. Just speak to the Lord about the emotion that you are currently feeling. And allow the scripture just to come into your spirit all the more. So I'm going to, I'm going to read it again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. just before I, I read it again, what I want you guys now to do is to just start praying that scripture over your spirit. Start praying it over your circumstances. Start praying it into your life. Invite the reality of that scripture into your heart. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of 
my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, I just want to thank you that we can be the sheep of your pasture. That we can have the security of knowing you thank you that you are so present thank you that you are such a loving father thank you that you go to great depths to reveal yourself to us thank you that whenever we ask you to reveal yourself to us your response is just like oh, I thought you'd never ask Father and thank you that we can we can just behold your beauty thank you that we can experience your love thank you that we can experience the truth of your word and thank you that you come into our lives and that you take the bondages off of our lives. That as your light shines into our lives, it breaks the darkness. Lord, and thank you that the darkness cannot stand against your light. And thank you that you are shining your light into our hearts. And that you are revealing yourself to us. Holy Spirit, and I pray that, that you'll just come and confirm your presence to each and every single one of us in this building. Thank you that you've spoken to us. And I pray that you will be ministering to our hearts even as we go home tonight and in this week to come. And I pray that we will go from faith to faith I pray that you will put such a desire in our hearts to know you that we are willing to lay down our lives to know you all the more thank you Jesus for who you are thank you that we can remember who you are every single day of our lives Amen Amen.
Come on, thank you, Andre. Let's just give Andre a hand. Um, I want to say two things that um, what Andre shared with us is definitely not just something that he's prepared, it's something that he lives and aspires to live. And then I also want to just say sorry to the church, but maybe more specifically to Morel. Um, his bad jokes are my fault. <laughs> um, but friends, the, the purpose of this series is to teach us that there is a different rhythm that God is inviting us into. And that scripture in Mark 1, 17, where Jesus says, come follow me, come after me, come, come learn off of me. That's the invitation that God does not desire for you to live a life that is filled with anxiety and stress and fear because fear can govern your heart and it will lead you into sin. It will lead you into greater bondage. It will take you back to Egypt where you would rather live under a slave master than live under the loving care of a father. Um, so, Audrey, thank you. And, and I really trust that as we continue this series that God will start to teach you and myself what it looks like to live from his rest.